Hi, and welcome to the Human Side of Business podcast. I'm Angie Cabe, CEO and co-founder of Intuity Performance. I'm a performance coach, HR professional, whole person leadership facilitator, and your host. The Human Side of Business podcast is fueled by the genuine curiosity to understand how personal characteristics and skills can be leveraged to drive individual and team performance, tangible outcomes, and ultimately organizational success within business. Each podcast is devoted to sharing knowledge, expanding our learning edges, and exploring the trends in corporate culture towards growing the emotional intelligence of organizations. I'm so glad you're here. Hi there, this is Ange McCabe, CEO and co-founder of Intuity Performance, where our business is the success of your business. I'm a performance coach, HR professional, facilitator, and your host of the Elevate Business Podcast. The Elevate Business Podcast is a journey of discovery fueled by the curiosity to genuinely understand what makes people tick when it comes to their professional path, choices made, and the personal characteristics that drive performance, tangible outcomes, and ultimately success. The Elevate Business Podcast is here to promote the enormous contributions of small and medium-sized businesses around the world by exploring the actions that make a workplace successful, the trends in corporate culture towards growing the emotional intelligence of an organization, and how we build whole person performance from the ground up. Each podcast is devoted to sharing knowledge, growing our learning edges, and honoring our passions with a special guest who has elevated their business, overcome obstacles, and inspires others to do the same. So glad you're here. Hi, and a warm welcome to episode number 23 of the Elevate Business Podcast. Both myself, Ange McCabe, and Scott Rust are your hosts. We have the pleasure of introducing you to Blair Kennevin, Director of Business Development at Talis. Blair's experience in business development and marketing roles has contributed to the success of various organizations within the IT security industry. With a keen interest in leadership, he's known to empower his teams by working less like a boss and more as a partner, which we look forward to uncovering further. Welcome, Blair. Thanks for in, uh, inviting me this morning. Our pleasure. So tell us about yourself and a bit about your role and your journey. Well, a little bit about myself. Uh, I'm a 30-year IT security uh, a professional, I guess is the right word to use. I've been doing this uh, straight out of school, graduated out of the University of Waterloo. Uh, back in the day, 1989, and uh, uh, before I'd even left the the, uh, the campus of University of Waterloo, and I I was hired to uh, begin my journey in tech with a company I couldn't pronounce at the time called Symantec. Little did I know I was going to be the first employee of that company here in Canada, and uh, quite frankly, working from my home in 1989 seemed, was a much different circumstance than working from home today. In fact, my parents thought that I was going to be selling some sort of, I don't know what. So their concern for me was nobody works from home in a real company. So uh, here we are in 2020, and I've been through a few companies uh, and enjoyed a, a tremendous journey of uh, working with some of the best and brightest in their areas of expertise. And I'll share with you a little bit about where I am today, which is on actually almost full circle as to where I was with a company uh, about 20 years ago. So mm-hmm. um, I was uh, born and raised in Kitchener-Waterloo. And uh, as you know, University of Waterloo, Wilfrid Laurier were my homes. Um, I'm the father of three kids, uh, 17, 22, and 28. Uh, and I'm a grandfather of a one-year-old that I'm 
quite proud of and wish we could see a whole lot more of these days. So, um, I've been in various uh, startups, scale-ups, uh, now multinational tech companies. So I run the gamut uh, in different roles, as I said, in doing uh, direct sales, channel sales, partner integrations, marketing, and what a lot of people are still confused about is the area of uh, business development and what does that mean? And I'm mm. more than share that with you. Um, I've been the first employee of a company, the 10th employee of a company, the ninth employee of a company, all growing into hundreds, if not thousands of people. So I've seen from the very beginning, trying to scale companies on a very limited budget, as well as working with companies who their, their lunch hour revenues would be their entire annual revenues of some of the companies I've worked for. So, Mm. um, I'm very, very happy to have made it this far and I still got a few, few years left under the hood. So uh, I might be high mileage, but I think I've got a few, few more years to offer some expertise. <laughs> right. Uh, so what I'm hearing is we actually have a trailblazer here for the remote workforce where working from home before was even recognized or, or known uh, from that regard. And no, literally, I think I really appreciate, you know, just talking a little bit about your journey and the, you know, how you were the ninth person in the company, the 10th, and then, you know, even the first, and really seeing the the growth that came from there. And so I'm curious, just based on that experience, based on your experience, what does the word performance mean to you? And how do you fuel your performance? That's a great question. It's relative answer as well. Uh, The way I look at it is it's meeting or exceeding mutually agreed upon expectations of success. Because somebody's success is someone's failure in some circumstances. But the way I look at it is if you set the goals and you set them realistically and you strive for those goals and you meet or exceed those expectations, that's success. And whether it's quantitative or qualitative measures, um, a lot of companies will become far too quantitative in their measurement of success, be it revenues, a number of customers, and straight statistical sort of all the metrics of successes I'm sure you've read or seen a lot about. Whereas I will look at a lot more of the where were we a year ago and where are we today? What is our mind share? What is our market share? What is our there are many other measures that successful leaders should look at. Uh, you should also ask whether or not your employees are happy doing what they're doing if they feel they they have also had success. So success is not just yourself, but it's those you surround yourself with or those who surround you. That's a fantastic answer. And we certainly resonate with that, Blair, because it really comes down to that whole person is what I'm hearing. So it's how they're feeling about their job, not just about the metrics that are measured of them doing their job. Um, So it's interesting when it comes to performance what approach do you take with regards to moving past roadblocks for yourself and also your team members? Right. And, you know, roadblocks, roadblocks, sometimes you're, you're, you're quite, um, I'm trying to think of the right word. You're not ignorant of the, of, of what's happening around you, but you're a little blissful in terms of your, your, your things are going in the right direction, but maybe somebody on your team is, is, is really struggling but I think the most important thing is to listen and, and pay attention, lift your head up and acknowledge that there is a problem potentially with one or more members within your team or within the organization that you're working in. Mm. I'm not suggesting that you doubt go and address those and fix those problems right away, but it's that clarity. It's that awareness. 
um, that I think is very important, uh, opening your ears. And just, as I said, you can close your office door and work away on the task at hand, but there's so much going on around you, small or large companies that you should be aware of. And there are human beings behind those keyboards and those individuals are, are striving to meet not only your expectations, but their own expectations. So mm-hmm. um, what I also do is once I know what the problem or problems are, is I identify what those uh, are and what options you might have that may have worked in the past. And uh, also understand that times are changing or you're changing with those times. Hopefully you're adjusting and, and be realistic as to what you as a leader can do. You can't fix all the problems. They're not necessarily for you to fix, but mm-hmm. what if you were to identify a few solutions? One of the best, uh, the best advice I ever received from a previous boss of mine was don't come into my office with problems. Come into my office with the problem and what potential solutions you might have to fix that problem. Mm -hmm. So you empower those individuals not to complain, but to come in and say, hey, the following problem has come up. It's a roadblock. I can't get past it. But I think we should do one of these three things. What do you think? That's what good leaders do is they make sure that the people that are working with them understand that it's not for you to fix their problems. Mm -hmm. That's what you're trying to do is to train them and move move them to the next level. Um, You also have to weigh the risks and rewards of, of, of fixing some problems. Sometimes you cannot fix those problems. Sometimes those are beyond your reach. Mm -hmm. You don't own the company, for example, or you aren't in that department or you're not in that role and responsibility, but you can certainly help broker those conversations. And one of the things I've also learned in my experience is benefit of doubt. What your presumptions and assumptions are about that problem might be completely and utterly wrong. Mm. Most people do that. That's human nature. Uh, we're angry, we're upset. Uh, look at what's, what we're going through right now with the pandemic, the presumption that something is happening because of another reason. Um, you have to be aware that there's a, an absolutely applied benefit of doubt. And when that benefit of doubt is is uh, removed, or you know the truth, or you know the real issue or the scenario, um, now's your opportunity to select the option and work with those individuals to to implement that and engage accordingly. And you know, managing those steps is not always up to you as well. You can empower, you can delegate, you can allow, you can promote that individual to um, to engage and, 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 and maybe you'll help a little bit to fix that problem. But when you use the power of many to solve uh, a problem that may be affecting more than one individual, it really empowers those individuals around you to feel like they actually contributed to solving that problem. Not just going to the boss saying, hey, I've got a problem. Can you fix it for me? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't think that they're learning too much on the way. And I hate to sound like this, but oftentimes, not always, you're working with maybe junior employees or employees younger than you. And maybe your wisdom is appreciated, but you're not always the best you know, person to judge what the outcome should be. Maybe you should just you know, listen a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And I consume it takes a little bit of um, kind of putting your ego aside to be able to, to look at things that way in terms of, well, maybe I'm not the best person to come up with a solution. And just to to paraphrase, I think, or to reflect back on some of the things you mentioned, Blair, around one is being really realistic uh, about what can be accomplished, um, identifying whether the problem is actually worth solving and what are the risks associated with it, and if it's within your control to even solve that problem, and then applying some of that benefit of doubt in terms of, um, you know, empowering employees. And so I'm curious, based on, on your experience, what challenges have you had in terms of empowering employees? And I get the feeling you take a bit of a hands-off approach 
And 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 I'm, so I'm also curious as to whether it, whether it's always been that way, or has that has there been a transition, or has something kind of happened uh, over the past 20, 30 years? I'll be honest with you. I think the you know the failures as much as the success has helped me adjust accordingly. Uh, I think I'm always learning. Experience doesn't always mean that you learn. Um, and I found that, and I hope I answered this question uh, appropriately, I've found that I have become more hands-off in, in, in most circumstances because as my career has progressed, I've moved into different roles where typically most of the individuals are in a more senior role or more experienced role. Uh, being executive within a, a sales organization, for example, I've got senior employees. Sometimes they were older than I was. Sometimes they had 10 years experience more than me. Um, but I was, you're right. You've got to check your ego at the door and you are not all knowing, all seeing, omniscient. You have to look at this um, through their eyes often. I believe that um, when I, you know, I guess introduced myself into the equation as either the person that, uh, for example, I've started an organization where I had to hire the whole team behind me. In other circumstances, I've come in and I've inherited various individuals. So there's an adjustment period for both of you. Mm. And I've been a longtime believer in situational leadership theory. I think I might have mentioned that to you in our previous conversation, which came out of my university, Wilfrid Laurier University uh, coursework there on the business side. And this whole concept that you adjust to your employees or your followers as opposed to they adjust to you. Mm -hmm. And I've taken that my entire career. And I believe very strongly that that has served me served me very well. It hasn't always been appreciated on, on for example, I've worked with people who are not on that same page and, mm. and are very authoritarian and very, um, and I, 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 I've actually seen, a, not a tyranny, but I've certainly seen people approach their, their employees and their colleagues in a much different way. And, and I, don't, I don't agree with that approach, but again, that's my, not everybody has to be identical in terms of the way that they approach working with their teams. Some require more authoritarian based on the maturity of the followers or the maturity of the employees or, or quite frankly, a hostile environment or a tough environment where things have to get done in order for us to, quote, survive. Mm. So um, I think if you've been through all of those and you harness the abilities and experience of those around you, collaborate when you when you can, um, but also delegate as much as you can to those who are, are confident and capable and let them get about doing what they do well. And they'll, they'll appreciate the fact that you have the faith and the trust in them and give them that authentic feedback. Authentic feedback is so missing in most organizations. There's a, there's a, not a mirage, but there's a facade is the right word on a lot of conversations between uh, employees and and colleagues and bosses and various dynamics and political correctness not to be uh, dismissive of that but i i don't want people to to say what they truly truly feel in terms of anger and resentment and so on and so forth but pick your words and choose your words carefully but be authentic about it say this mm -hmm. is the way that i feel this situation is and i think we can probably work together to solve that problem mm -hmm. and i think that genuine authentic you are who you are, whether you're standing in the office or standing in your kitchen with your family, keeping that consistency of authenticity and genuine is, is something I've strived for my entire life. Mm -hmm. There's there's a lot of gold nuggets in there, Blair, in the sense of, you know, the, the past few questions, listening to your thought process around leadership and how to perform for your team members. 
I'm hearing things like levels of self-awareness, being curious when it comes to problem solving and helping elevating your team members, understanding that it's not one performance box for all team members and that, you know, it's that leading from the back essentially. So in thinking of all those things, it, it kind of wraps itself around the concept of emotional self or emotional intelligence. Mm-hmm. And specifically, I, I feel like I'm hearing a lot about empathy when it comes to that curiosity piece and the awareness piece and having uh, potentially difficult or authentic conversations with your team members. So in your mind, from a leadership perspective, what role does empathy play in leadership? Yeah, empathy as opposed to sympathy, for sure. Um, I I believe that those who are, as I said, listening to the vibrations in the room or feeling the, the, the angst or the apprehension in the room or the confidence is waning in a certain circumstance or scenario, I think that those who are very aware of feelings is one, but also, as I said, those intangible, you know, there's something that I'm just... Spidey sense-wise picking up that maybe not everybody in the room thinks that we should do X, Y, or Z, or Mm -hmm. Z. Um, I think that all of us in our, and again, 30 years of doing this, I think of my first role as a sales rep with a company called Symantec, being the first employee in Canada, working from my home, approaching companies for the first time uh, when I was 24 years old. Um, You can do the math. I'm a little older than that now, but... uh, that empathy of what I went through, I remember that and recall that. And I bring that to the table and say, hey, I remember that. I understand what I felt like. And maybe that's what this individual is going through right now. Um, and by the way, when you're genuine, you will generally get a reciprocation of and you'll alleviate those concerns. They'll be more genuine with you. They feel like they can actually say what's on their mind. So that empathy goes both ways. And setting that table and setting that tone in your business, in your management style or your collaboration style, again, I, I believe it works whether you're reporting up uh, or whether you're, you're reporting uh, to or those reporting up to you. I think as long as you set that table at the beginning, then you're setting expectations that empathy is welcome, not not again, not just to get everybody feeling sorry for somebody or, or, or someone to feel like you need to throw empathy at every single scenario. No, it's, it's, it's a gentle, you know, uh, dance that you have to be careful of and make sure that it's used in the, in the appropriate circumstance. It's so interesting that you use the word dance uh, and appropriateness of deploying empathy. And we know that things around empathy or the imposter syndrome, emotional intelligence, those are a lot of buzzwords that we've been hearing the past, you know, three to five years. I found it really interesting. And it sounds like you have a strong style around how you set that table of empathy. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Setting the style, um, I think, and often your your reputation precedes you, and hopefully it's a good one. Um, <laughs> but I've I've been very fortunate in my career that I've been with and worked with people in, in that have worked with me in, in other companies. Mm-hmm. So there's a, uh, there's a person who may be perceived when they come in the room, you'll, you'll see the arms crossed. You'll see, well, I'm an engineer and you're a sales or you're marketing or you're anything other than engineering. I have a predisposed or pre, I am predisposed to thinking of you in a certain way. 
it takes time. It's not immediate. And you need to earn that respect and that trust. And trust is a very big element of that. So as long as you get that agenda going as quickly at the beginning as you possibly can saying, here, this is who I am. Uh, this is how I like to, to operate. And then I instantly offer people to ask questions and dig a little deeper and uh, tease out some of the things that I might have said and clarify, is this really truly who you are and how you operate? And then you look to maybe some of the people that you work with and you say to them, well, you work with me before, or is there anything you might want to add? And they also know me well enough that they'll say, absolutely. And there'll be some, hey, you got you to gotta wait for a, a, a Blair to stop talking sometimes because he likes to talk a lot or as long as you set that really open, welcome, uh, happy place to work. And by the way, sense of humor doesn't hurt. Uh, I know <laughs> some days a little more twisted than others, but I apply that as best as I can to set the city, set, set everyone at ease. Mm. And I'm emotionally intelligent enough to know more. So now I've, I've certainly said things over the years and you look back and you go, geez, I don't think I can say that now. But, you know, I've, I've become a lot more mature in the way that I approach that and how I apply that in circumstances. Not everything's a joke. Not everything's funny. Uh, but it certainly doesn't hurt to throw a little bit in in, in some of those awkward moments. Mm, that makes sense. Thank you for sharing. And I can really appreciate um, how, how you're adapting your leadership style from different people. And what, what I'm really hearing is kind of creating these safe-to-fail environments, and creating these environments where people feel comfortable enough to, to be themselves and to speak openly and have that kind of communication. And I'd actually like to go back to, um, to a comment you made or something about you know, the fact that you've actually, sometimes you've inherited teams and other times you've had to actually hire a whole team. And I'm curious, what are some of the challenges that you've had? Because we have a lot of business owners that listen to this podcast and they're growing, they're scaling, they're hiring teams. And I'd just like to learn, just uh, based on your experience, what are some of the challenges that you faced in terms of hiring a whole team and bringing people on? Hiring a team from scratch is a tough, uh, is tough for anyone. Mm. And um, as everyone should appreciate, not one plus one doesn't always equal two in terms of hiring or uh, X, you know, bracket Y. There's no scientific approach to hiring the best and succeeding with those people. Sometimes some of the hires you make, you feel at that time are right for the company. Um, and then they find, you find out over time that maybe they weren't the best hire. I've made some fantastic hires. I've made some not so great hires. I've had some colossal failures in terms of some of the people that I thought at the time or felt based on the feedback that I've been given or the information I've been given, they, they were right for the company at the right time. But you're absolutely right that there has to be an element in there of this experiment that we're undertaking, whether it be hiring people or moving into a certain market in the industry or, or selling into a particular um, a time or space, most of what you're trying to do is still an experiment. Hiring net new teams is you build with a core group and you build from that. And by the way, if you hire two that are fantastic and you hire an additional four more, Try and hire people that those people can bring into the organization or recommend into the organization as opposed to hiring from uh, a, a pile of resumes submitted to you. I'm not suggesting that we don't uh, uh, look at Indeed.com or, or any of those other places for, for potential candidates, but I've always believed that it's a very organic, growing a team organically has worked much better for me uh, personally 
as, as opposed to an HR department hand, handing me a bunch of resumes and I go through the interview process. Why is that? I beg, I beg your pardon? Uh, why is that? Why do you feel growing a team organically has worked out better than sifting through a, a pile of resumes? Yeah, it's in the, in the industry, the tech industry in particular, it, mm-hmm. it, and I can't speak to others because I haven't worked outside of the industry uh, per se, but you find that uh, the degree, the, uh, the Kevin Bacon uh, degree of separation uh, or the LinkedIn connectivity as we let's talk within real context, um, reputation and is the most important thing uh, in terms of bringing a, a person to the table, more so than their actual skill set. And skills on a resume, not lost on me, absolutely. But as I said to you, some of my most colossal failures have been uh, hiring uh, an individual based on paper, more so than the actual um, uh, person themselves, the actual substance. And so I'm not suggesting that you should never hire from... you. you if in times where you're trying to recruit and when you're trying to attract people to your company, I'm sure that if you talk to the biggest companies growing at the fastest pace, they are pulling their hair out trying to just get candidates and get as many people into those seats as they possibly can. Mm. But with companies that are starting up or scaling up, uh, take that time and uh, hire slow. Some people say hire slow, fire quick. Uh, I'm more of that. I am. I know when I've hired somebody as I work with them and, and see their um, in, in real time that I would be better to find another person like them or that would fit the team. And again, fit within an organization is more important because I can tweak out a lot of success out of people who have the skills, but maybe not the experience, as opposed to just, as I said, hiring from a resume. Mm. Hearing that, you know, you're not lost on experiences and education, but for you, what sounds successful is more around that fit piece. So what is their behaviors? What skill sets from a a soft place are they? And I call it core competencies because it is really core to the team. Um, You know, what are they bringing to the table? And also considering the rest of the team as part of the hiring process and not just in isolation of fitting that bump to the proverbial seat. Right. Yeah. Right. I've I've hired a, a, a good friend of mine to this day and we used to jokingly say, I said, you know, I took you off the streets. And when we joke about it, you know, he called himself a street rat because he said I was born and raised in the UK. I didn't have a lot of experience in this, but I earned my spot and he already had about 10 years of experience. Mm-hmm. Now my HR was a little concerned because this individual did not have a quote university degree or post-secondary education. Okay. But this person came so highly recommended to me and had already proven through the company, two companies that he had worked for previously, that he was more than capable. And he was a, a phenomenal hire. And I've had that experience a couple of times, as I said, where that that paper, that that degree, that although I know that it is a prerequisite for some companies because it, it shows a certain level of uh, of attainment in that s- said space, oftentimes sales and marketing people don't don't necessarily need that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you'll find that you may pass by a couple of people who have got that raw experience that uh, from the streets and and. That does not mean they're not intelligent. It means it has nothing to do with intelligence. It just has to do some opportunity. They just didn't have it at that time. And here they are. And I'm sure we've all worked with people. And when they're asked that question, oh, where'd you go to school? And then they awkwardly kind of shift in their seat a little bit. The ones that answer with, 
I didn't, but this is what I've done for the last 20 years, or this is what I've achieved over the last 20 years. Uh, oftentimes those conversations uh, end, you know, rather abruptly, but you feel like saying to the person, good for you. You didn't mm-hmm. walk down, you didn't go down that, that rat hole of, uh, of where you obviously don't want to be. So anyway, mm-hmm. I, I digress, but mm-hmm. I do want to say that I will absolutely consider somebody based on merit uh, just as much as I will on their uh, actual resume. Mm, that's very fair, Blair. And so what are three words of inspiration that you would want the world to hear? Oh my gosh. Three words of inspiration, of inspiration. Um, patience. If it's just a word, show patience, take deep breaths, uh, step back and look at that. Wait for the answer. Um, I use the word prior as well. Authentic. Authentic is more important now in 2020, I think, without getting political, without getting sappy, without getting, uh, as I said, uh, pontificating or pontificating about it or profound. Uh, Authenticity is absolutely scarce in so many circumstances. Mm -hmm. Use it. uh, it, It will be appreciated more than you know. Um, And I think... um, Help, helpful, helpfulness. Is that the right, a right word? Uh, the ability to help others around you will come back to you, pay it forward, maybe is the expression. But if you have in business the opportunity to help someone that needs it, or you see that they haven't asked for it, and maybe that's something you could tease out a little bit. Mm. It's not charity. It's looking around, as I said at the, at the beginning of our conversation, poking your your head in a door as much as lifting your head up from your own desk and saying, Hey, you know, that conversation that we had earlier today, it sounded like you were struggling with something or maybe something rubbed you the wrong way. Is there something I can do to help you out, help you out? And I think that that's lacking in a lot of uh, ways because people are so overwhelmed. They've got a lot on their plate, but when you're honest with yourself and you say, what if somebody did that for you? And did that, that I think Mm. that in these times, getting people through mental health is, is absolutely all around us and more so we're aware of any other, any other time. And I think that those sorts of things in these times uh, can make for a successful uh, organization, a team. And I speak from where I am currently at today with Talos that I had for a company of 80,000 employees, I've been incredibly impressed by the way that this company is looking inside to its employees and to their mental health and where they're at in their lives and saying, if you need anything, we're here for you. Mm-hmm. And that's often the case for a company that has 20 billion in revenue and is in, is in multinational satellites and ships and building uh, in-flight systems and in our group, uh, digital identity security and IT security, completely diverse businesses and the mm-hmm. same applies to all this are you all right what can we do uh, to make sure that you and, and as an employee of talus are are, are okay so mm. a long-winded answer i'm sure to a much shorter question but i just wanted to share that with you in these times that's fantastic blair and i i feel comfortable speaking for both scott and myself i hope you don't mind in future for you some of your uh expressions as quotes <laughs> Because there's there's depth there and breadth and can certainly appreciate that with your company, Talis, 
I can only imagine that it's more of a community. It's more of a, has more of a family feel to it because there's that give and take with regards to, you know, working within an organization, but knowing that you're not just another number. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. You're more than welcome. I'm very, very uh, glad to have met both of you and talked with you today. So thank you again for this opportunity. Likewise. Um, and we really appreciate you sharing your entrepreneurial insights and with Intuitive Performance and our subscribers. So for those who would like to learn more about your business, we're going to provide a link to tell us uh, on our profile, the Elevate Business Podcast title page. Take good care. Thank you. For- Thank you very much for all of our subscribers to tuning in into another great episode of the Elevate Business uh, Podcast. Take good care. Thanks for listening to the Elevate Business Podcast. I hope you enjoyed the program. You can subscribe to future podcasts at intuityperformance.com, where you can also sign up for webinars and learn more about professional coaching and our facilitation solutions available to help fire up your whole person performance skills and drive actions for success. Until next time, stay true to you and take care of each other. We are all better together. Thanks for listening to the Human Side of Business podcast. I'm glad you could join us. If you enjoyed today's episode and want to stay updated with our latest content, make sure to visit our website. The link can be found in the episode description where you can subscribe to the podcast, sign up for our newsletter and learn more about our whole person leadership services. Sounds interesting? Explore the whole person leadership cohort by Intuity Performance, a unique program that offers unparalleled support to managers on every step of their leadership journey. Our program features evidence-based assessments, workbooks, group coaching, and interactive learning experiences to help you level up your leadership skills. Reach out today to apply to one of our upcoming cohorts. Until next time, take care and stay curious.